How many of you are walking a part of your journey that you've never walked before? can be dark, a little scary. You don't know what's coming up. Anybody in, in that place in your walk? Okay, several of us are in that spot. But it says this, the Lord has always seen us through. Yes, He is Lord. And I was, even when the world is shaking around us, I want you to know our Lord is stable and strong and in charge. And that's such good news. You know, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, we, we may have in our day watered that down a bit to mean good church attending people. That's not bad. I mean, it's great to come to church to, to celebrate and to fellowship in the house of the Lord. But if we've created that concept in our mind that, that following Jesus simply means I'm faithfully there on Sunday morning, we may have a, a little bit of a too shallow concept of what it says to be a disciple, a learner, a student of, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I say that as much to me as to, to you, but I want to say that to you today because as a church, we use Romans fifteen thirteen, And in that, we found out that there are some things that, that go into being a part of a disciple or what a disciple is. Heartfelt worship. Let's talk about it just a moment. What is that? What does that look like? Is it the song? Is it the style of the song? Is it music? Is it what, what is worship? Well, I think all of us know that it's more than that. I mean, worship is a great instrument for worship. Uh, music is a great instrument for worship. But play this with me just a moment. You did something, and it was bad. It was against the law, and it cost you every bit of coinage you had in the bank. As a matter of fact, you had to take out 10 credit cards, and you had to max them out to try to pay for this thing that you've done. And when you, you've done all of that, and then you stand before the judge, and the judge says, says that's just a small portion of what you owe. For because of what you've done. See, that's what we find out scripture that the sin that we're all so familiar with, and if you're like me, all so easily to do in this flesh is to rebel or to break the standards of God and be find myself breaking the law. And we want to try to fix it. But when we realize that we could bankrupt ourselves with everything that we have to pay toward that debt and realize it won't even touch it. And then you hear of a, of a man who paid our price, who paid the debt of that sin. We were hopeless up until that point. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself all of the sin you've ever committed. And it was ever committed against you, all of it. He took it upon himself and paid that price. Now do you understand where heartfelt worship comes from? from the debtor that had no way to pay for the one who stepped up and paid the price for us. Heartfelt worship. See, a disciple is not a, uh, is not a person that follows a certain type of music. A disciple is one who understands his poverty and the rescue that brought, was brought to us through Jesus Christ. And then we, from a heart of worship, that a disciple is just a worshiper 
full of gratefulness, thanksgiving, not just for last week in the turkey, but for every day, for every opportunity, for every new challenge to know that the Lord has always rescued us and he will always see us through. Because some of you are walking some new journeys that's terrifying. Dark at times and alone at times. But I'm telling you, your God is going to be faithful. So being a, a true disciple is not just a church attender. It's one who worships from the depths of your heart. And so I want you to hear that. I want that to challenge you a bit. Because it is also in that passage that we've selected as a, a theme verse for Hamlin is to have a courageous faith. A faith that when we are at our job site and we're going through and it's just the normal day kind of stuff, but you run across one of the people you work with, an employee, a, a, a fellow teacher, um, somebody that's in the office, and you begin to see that there's a new level of brokenness in that person's life, a courageous faith does not ignore it, just goes up to them and says, you know, until your heart's broken today, could I pray with you? And let's take this and let's lift it up before God who will be the answer to what you're facing. See, it takes some courage, doesn't it? To step out of our PC environment, politically correct environment where we're afraid to say anything, wouldn't it be interesting to have a courageous faith that says, Let me, let's take this to the Lord together. That's a disciple. A disciple that has a courage to believe that what God says he will do and then we take action upon it. We don't hide back in the, in the world and, and, and hide our faith. Because that third component that, out of that verse that we find is that, that we get to develop within us an uncontainable love. How did Jesus said that they will know they, the lost world? Jesus said they will know us by what? Our church attendance. Probably didn't say that, though. They will know us because we feel superior to them because we are not, we're above sin. Probably didn't say that. How does it say that the world will know us? By our love. If you're like me, I'm prone to judgment. I'm prone to condemnation. I'm prone to judging those who I deem as different from me. But the Lord says they're going to know you by one thing. What if that person comes up to you that just their lifestyle choices, their whatever, just kind of irritates the socks off of you? But what if they come up to you and you just love them? Don't try to change them. Don't try to fix them. You just love them. Well, the scripture says they will know you by your love. Uncontainable love. A worshiping heart, a courageous faith, and, a, and that last one, that uncontainable love. That begins to look like a disciple, not a Sunday morning attender, but a life that's different. We do some things at a church at Hamlin here for, to give a process of training, to give some opportunities for each of us to go from wherever we are on our journey to take some steps in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We call it journey to hope. If you are new to receiving Jesus as your Savior, 
We have a course that'll be basically a one-on-one discipleship time with someone that says what it means to be a new believer, a new follower of Jesus. Out of that journey to hope, we go to the second course that we offer, and it's called membership. You'll go to that class and you'll find out what does it mean, what is the church? How does it function? What would be my part in it? What do you believe? Some of those basic things are uh, the second step of our discipleship training course. We have a third one called uh, New Ministries. What In that place, you'll begin to come in and you'll find out how God created you, how he put within you a gifting of his spirit, which will be different from others around you, but a gifting that is given for the purpose of functioning within the body of Christ. So you would learn that. You would learn how that gift, the strengths of it, you'll find some of the weaknesses of it, and you'll find where that ministry, that gifted might fit best in a ministry. So we have some steps of journey you can go on. We even have one, the fourth one in that series, called new leadership, spiritual leadership. We train what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple that leads others. If you've been to corporate training on how to do leadership, it will be the opposite of what Scripture teaches about leadership. Corporate training is you go high, you climb ladder, you get stronger, you get more in charge of more people. Spiritual leadership, you go low. You get down to the position where you are basically a servant of all. The higher we think we are, probably the lower we are on the spiritual leadership ladder. And the Lord wants us to learn that, that if we move into a place of leadership here, it is a place that we go to serve. So we give some courses, and I do believe that every one of us should go through them. Matter of fact, even go back through them maybe every two or three years just to refresh and train. But I don't know about you, I've gone through a few courses that I call God school. Have you ever been to a God school? They're awful. They're just tough. Because when God's doing a work in you, he does not necessarily use fine sandpaper. There are times he will bring us down to the lowest part of who we are. And we, are think, we think he's killing us. And honestly, he is. He's killing the flesh part of us out. And I know about you, my flesh fights against that all the time. Just, I want my way, God. Don't tell me what to do. But the Lord has a way of putting us into a God school. Today, I want to take you back to the series of Joseph. And I want to show you four classrooms or four schools that God took Joseph to. And I hope that it will be an encouragement to you wherever you are in your journey. So we're going to start with when God shows up with a training class. Go to Genesis 39, please. And as you're taking notes, the first thing that I want you to put, God's plan for Joseph was an assignment. Listen to this, because prosperity theology will tell you this differently. But the gospel says here, God's plan for Joseph was an assignment as a slave. See, we, there's a form of the gospel that says that God will only put you in better and higher and more wealthy and kind of environments. When God's intention is not, I don't believe, for our uh, content, contentment or happiness. I believe God's intention 
is to develop in us his heart, develop in us a courageous faith, develop in us a heart of worship, develop in us an uncontainable love. Listen, none of those things come from us naturally. That is only a work of God within us. God's plan for Joseph was an assignment as a slave. In 39, starting in verse 1, by the way, I've tried two or three different versions since I've been here, just because I was bored. I went back to NIV, so that's what I'm going to be teaching out of, because I can't even read the other ones very well. So we're back in NIV. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, he was the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, remember, the enemy of Israel, who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge, everything in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, of all that he owned, and the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So God allowed Joseph to be put into a place of slavery. But notice, even in that spot, because of God's blessing on his life, he raised up to a leadership position. If you'll see that in Joseph's life. Every pit, every, every jail cell, every situation that he found himself in, the blessing of God was on his life. And did you notice that while he was there, even Potiphar's household and everything prospered? See, I believe that's about a, true, a disciple. I believe wherever you are, you represent Jesus Christ and you represent the blessing of God over your life. And when you go into an environment, it can be a godly environment, it could be an ungodly environment. But everywhere you go, you represent the kingdom of God and your mere presence in that business or in that place that you find yourself, your mere presence there will bring the blessing of God on those people around you. I believe that. Because you represent the kingdom of God. Why? Why would that be true? Because the power of God lives within you and you are to be a disciple. And if our life does not represent something different than what the world offers, then there's, we really are not a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're a disciple of the world. And everybody else is a disciple of the world. So the only thing that makes us different is that the power, we're forgiven. First of all, that should put a smile on your face to know you know, if I took time and said, take, take out a notebook and a pen, I want you to write down every sin you can remember. It'd be a great day, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be miserable for us to list all the things. But to know that that's forgiven, that the Lord has covered us, and that we have a righteousness that is not our own. It's not ours by behaving well or perfectly, 
but it's by a covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus is the answer to our life. So, we find ourselves like that. Joseph found himself, recap, 17 years of age, remember? Sold as a slave. Now he's in Potiphar's house in charge of his household. And could it be that God wants us or allows us to walk through some seasons of our life that it begins or we get to the point of despair wondering, uh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make it? How will we even survive? How many of you have had the day or the week or the month or the year or two when you did not know how you were going to make it to the next thing? How many of you have ever had that experience? Okay. I've had that. Had that in church planting. A couple of churches Vicky and I helped plant. I mean, there have been some seasons in that. How, I remember being with one staff in my living room on our knees, tears just going everywhere because how do we go? What do we do next? There's, it seems hopeless right now. But in that particular place, the Lord, what if, uh, what if he allows us to get us there? Just to begin to show that he is faithful and that anything that is being prosperous is not because you're so awesome, but because our God is so great and that his blessing will flow through us. And that's a lesson we'll need to learn. Look where you find yourself right now. You might be in a place, a family, or a job, or even assignment that you feel like there's no, nothing more than you're just a slave. There's really no life to it. You may be feeling that. I, back, I reflected back when I was preparing this. Right before I came to Hamlin in 2000, no, 19... Always forget, 78, 79, it's so far back as black and white TV days, you know, way back. There was about, I don't remember, several months that I did not do um, ministry work. That was weird because I started at 17 and did worked at Temple for a, two or three years and then had a, a break time. And in that break time, I worked for Campbell 66 Trucking Company. You ever remember that? All those old trucks going down the road. Well, I was a night bill clerk. It was challenging. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. And, but it's nighttime, so I was basically there by myself. And you go out on the docks. You pill, put the bill, pull, pull the bills, excuse me, out of the boxes. Take them in, sort them up, put them in the right place for billing and all of that. But in the midst of doing that, I, probably as much as anything I've ever done, showed me... Lord showed me that I was not above that work in any way. I was so grateful to have it at that time, just to have be able to provide for my family. But the doing of that job, because I was not around people, I felt such an emptiness. God, who, who, nobody knows I'm here. I'm not making any impact for your kingdom. There's nobody around. I really, really struggled during that period of time because I was not doing what I really felt like the Lord had called me to be a part of. And I know many of you have had it a lot tougher than me. That, I'm kind of a wimp, but it was through that that there is a training lesson here, and I want you to get it. Write it on your notes. Trust God, not your circumstances. Trust God, 
not your circumstance. Do not let your circumstances determine your faith level. Let your God determine your position, even on your best days or the worst days. The, third, uh, the, second, the second training class that Joseph had, God's plan for Joseph was to be hidden in a jail. Okay, get this. A couple of things we see. He was assigned as a slave. He was hidden in a jail. These are not glamorous things that we're, he's going through here. Genesis 39, verse 6, where we just picked up, picked up, left off before. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything, anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built. He's 17, young, teenager, strong, handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Joseph refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph, enticed him day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. You know the story that because of that happening, Potiphar's wife accused him of rape. And that just made Potiphar incredibly angry, as you can imagine, if he believed that. So what did he do? Potiphar took him and put him in jail. And in jail for two years, he was there. What, what, what happened there? You know the story. The blessing of God was on his life. What happened? Little by little, the, the jailer put him in charge of everything. Because they could see integrity. They could see that he was a man of his word. He was a man that was faithful. And while he was, he was in prison here two years, and I don't know about you, I would have really struggled with probably depression if I were put there. I didn't do this, and now I'm hidden in a dark, damp, ugly, stark place, and I'm, I, my, I know my flesh would be tendency to go toward a depression, frustration, anger, all of those things that uh, cause our emotions to go crazy, and he was put there for two years. In verse 30, chapter 39, verse 20, it says, the Lord was with him, he showed him kindness, and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was, remain, he was given responsibility for everything that was done there. Now, you know the story. We talked about it a bit yesterday. In that two-year period, two assistants to Pharaoh, the baker and the butler, was put into prison. And it was during that time that God was refining in Joseph the ability to have a training course and how to hear a dream, to see dreams, to know what they were, to know, to have God begin to share with him how to interpret dreams. We knew how that worked with the two guys that were there. But there's a line in, in scripture that says, uh, chapter 40, but the chief cupbearer, he, he was the one that was alive that was put back with Pharaoh, However, did not remember Joseph. 
he forgot him after he had given the, the dream interpretation and helped him get back into the right place. That means he was there two years. Now two more years. He's four years in this dark place. Four years. Totally feeling useless to what God had called him to do. There's a lesson here that I want you to get. Lesson number two, develop and maintain integrity. Develop and maintain integrity. What got Joseph through all of that was his belief in God and his integrity before men. He would not, this sexual temptation for every man in this house would have been incredibly difficult. To be enticed, sexually enticed, to become unfaithful. We have that now in our culture on our, on our cell phones, on our computers all the time. The enticement to come and be unfaithful. And, it's so that, and we're driven so much for that, that drive, that sexual drive, that intimacy drive. And when, it's not, when, when that's not right and we get out of, out of track, our, our character goes away. Our integrity is weakened. But he remained faithful in that time of temptation. Maintain your integrity. It's important that God will use you for the next stage of the journey when that's developed. The third class. God's plan for Joseph was to trust God's gifts of ministry. In chapter 41, remember the uh, Pharaoh gave, had a dream that kept him up. And the dream was of seven skinny cows, ugly skinny cows, and then seven fat, sleek cows. Then he gave him a, a, a dream similar to it on the same night. And the dream was that there would be uh, heads of grain that was fat and full and complete, followed by grains that just had a stalk or uh, just had a stalk on it but no seed on it. And he went, he was trying to figure it out because it was keeping him awake. He couldn't figure it out. And that's when the butler remembered, hey, there was a guy back with, in prison with me. He answered my prayer. He answered my dream. He gave me the answer. He said, let's get him up here and see if he has an answer to this. So they brought him up. And in this course, he was able to tell them in chapter 41, verses 25 through 40. Read that. I wish I had uh, time. But he said this. These are, this is what God is showing you, Pharaoh. There's getting ready to come up on our land a seven-year period of prosperity. There's going to be uh, the cattle, the fat cattle and the grain. The Lord is showing you, you've got to get ready to prepare this nation, the Egyptian world, for uh, preparation for seven years that's coming up, the severe famine. That most of your people will die during that seven years unless you do something here to put it in order. What did Pharaoh do? Always happened to Joseph because of God's blessing. Pharaoh said, you are in charge of getting us ready. Everything in this nation is at your command because I, of your integrity and of your ability to hear this. And so he put him in charge. He began to develop or bring in the harvest of cattle, of sheep, of goats, of wheat, of all kinds of everything they could harvest. They, he built up stockpiles during the seven years of prosperity. And because of that, he got that nation through the next seven years of severe drought. Not only that nation, maybe more significantly, 
that people that came from Abraham, that was, Joseph was sold in slavery those many years before, those people would be brought down to Egypt and God would protect that seed, the seed of Abraham would protect that during that season which might have wiped out that, that line. God protected him, brought him into Egypt and through that provision of Joseph, their son, that seed of God was saved. We offer that third class, Joy to Hope, I talked about. It's a new ministries class. Many of us receive the Lord, we get saved, we start going to church, and that begins to be the extent of our spiritual journey. And we think, or we've been taught, that that's, that's the end of it. Get saved and go to church. Get saved and go to church. And by the way, that's good counsel. Get saved and go to church. But what I'm telling you is that's not the end of the game. That's not the end zone. Get saved, get your heart changed, get the power of God within you, get among a fellowship of believers that can help hold you up in those seasons when you don't have anything and be around a fellowship of believers that they can feed into you, take the word of God in the midst of your crisis and tear that off and say, here, eat this. This is what God's word says. And it's important to be a part of the church. But if we're always takers in that journey, we, are, we stay infants spiritually the, the entirety of our life. <clears throat> because we are called into being a part of the body of Christ, that means each of us have a function, a part to play, a place to give. Some may be in a spotlight on a Sunday morning. Some might be in a place where nobody even knows what you do. But you're serving faithfully the Lord. That is what the ministries class will be helping you figure that out. So if you find yourself stuck at like a Sunday morning attendance level and you're tired of that, you want to move on because there's a, something within you that says, my life needs to make a difference, then go to the ministries class. Let us see if we can help you find what God is doing for you. The lesson of, that, of this third training course is this, write it down. Be God-dependent. Don't be circumstantial dependent. Be God dependent. I have seen it and you have seen it. Men and women, young men and women, old men and women, coming to get saved. They give their life to the Lord. They get involved in a church and something hits their life like a, they were sold into slavery or they were put in jail. Something awful hit their life. And I've seen this and I heard it many, many times, still hear it about every week. And they get so mad at God that they say, if that's, if that's a God that would do, allow this to happen to me, then I'm done. And in the midst of that refinement, they run away, they walk away. It happens. Our neighborhoods around us are probably full of people who once went to church until it got really tough. We've got to be able to understand what God is doing and, and trust that he will, his plan is being accomplished in our lives. The fourth lesson, the fourth training course is manage success. The fourth training course for 
Joseph was a managing success. Let's go back to num- the point number four before that is this. God put Joseph or allowed Joseph to go through all of those things in order to train or develop within him the ability to lead, to be found faithful to lead. And let me tell you, you won't lead if you don't have some tenacity built in you through difficult times. You won't lead. Because leadership is not always where they think you're awesome and they're throwing roses in front of your feet when you walk. There are times people think you're the devil and you're the worst person that's ever lived because you are in a lead position. And if you have not been tempered or trained into that, you know what we do? We sing the old Johnny Paycheck song. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. And we have, we have people walking out of the church, walking out of ministry when it got tough. And God has to temper and shape and develop in us some tenacity and strength where our dependence is him and not men. And I'm preaching at me more than you right here because I am a people person, pleaser person. And that sounds awesome, but it's not. It's awful because it can kill you. Emotionally just kills you when you fail. And so I just want you to understand that God put Joseph, allowed him to go through some very difficult things in order to develop in him his character. And that is the the key or the answer to that training is manage success. Remember, when Joseph interpreted all of those dreams, they were trying to build him up and say, what an awesome guy. He would never accept it. Did you see that? He always passed that. He said, why are you praising me? God is the one who's revealed to me this, your dream. This is of God. I had really nothing to do with it. That's what it means to manage success. Defer any praise that comes to you back to him or to those who are working with you. Just don't ever take it on because you might begin to believe you are awesome when we're just broken clay pots that God uses. And I'm so glad about that, aren't you? That he doesn't take people in perfection. He takes people who are honest in their brokenness. And through that brokenness, his spirit begins to flow out of us and minister to those others around us. Manage your success. Turn it all, give all the glory to him and don't take it on yourself. Vicki, come on up, please. One of the most difficult times in your life will be when you're in a God classroom. If I had time, I'd tell you some of mine. Probably already have shared some with you. The book that I wrote, A Captive No More, came out of a season of a God classroom for me. It was the toughest classroom I'd ever been in. Didn't know if I would survive it. Honestly, I didn't think that I did. And I don't think a lot of of me did not survive it. And as I look back on it, I say, thank you, God, for cutting that stuff out of me. That people-pleasing dependence. Thank you, God, for helping me kind of grow through that. But it was miserable. I mean, there were days, I probably told you, when I said, God, I am so done. I'm not talking about done with this job. I'm done with living. I would never have the courage or the whatever desperation to take my own life. But I said, Lord, please take it. Take me out of this. I'm talking, you know what I'm saying? When you get to the level 
that you're beyond the last knot on the rope and you actually find yourself laying on a, in a pit, hands empty, hands open, and say, God, I need you. I have nothing I can bring. My hands are empty. I don't think you have to go to those classes if you surrender to him where you are. I just didn't know that I wasn't surrendering until he showed me some of that extra stuff. Some of you are in a difficult place of your life right now. Could be you're in a God classroom. Remember this, he's training you. He's removing things out of you right now that hinder his plan for you. He may even be hiding you for a season, but he's not left you and his plan's not failed. He may have you that there for development of ministry in your heart. He will take the brokenness that you come out. You'll come out of these things with scars. And he'll bring that out. Of, out. It will no longer be your great awesome ability or your wonderful beauty. It will be cuts and bruises and scars, wounds. And as you come out of that, and there's very little left of you, then this anointing of God will flow out of you and minister to those all around you. Because the enemy says, I'm going to take you through this because I'm going to kill you and destroy your influence. God says, no, I'm going to use that to make my glory shine through that one. Some of you have had that. You've gone through something and you think you're now disqualified because you've messed up so badly. Well, take that scar, let God heal it. And in your humility, let this power of God flow out of you to the rest of us around you have already screwed up too. We're already broken as well. He may even put you in a very public high position. A lot of glory. Make sure that if you're there and when God moves, you don't take any credit for that. You point all the glory back to the one who brought this action to happen. Are you in a classroom today? Is God training you? I have some good news for you. The classroom will end. It will end. If you're in the middle of it, you're going to think, this is never ending. This is going to go on forever. No, you're going to come to an end. And it will be good, and it will be healthy, and it will be strong. I don't know what God's speaking to you today, but I do know that he was speaking through this message of Joseph to some people in this room today. If you'll listen, the thing that keeps us from responding most of the time to the messages of God, is I'm a, this is a little rough. You know what it is? Pride. And do you know the thing that God is working against more than anything else in our life? Pride. He's wanting that gone. So we stop trying to control our own life. And we start letting him, remember, if you're in the bottom of the pit and the rope is beyond your reach, the knot is above you and you can't get to it, you have nothing left but the power of God. God says, good, finally. Now let's do some things together. Now let my spirit go before you. Some may be fighting. If it is, I'd say give up today and come and surrender. But if God's teaching you something, stop and listen. What's he saying?
Would you stand? We're going to sing a song just to give you a chance to respond. If God's speaking to you today, I don't manipulate you. I don't try to uh, guilt you. I'm just trying to speak the truth and say, repent, run quickly to the Lord in every situation. Run quickly to the Lord. Because you'll say, well, they'll, they'll think bad things about me. No, we know that you're broken like me and the rest of us. Well, they may judge me, but who cares what somebody would judge us? My only judge is God. And I need to be right before him. God's doing a work. If you want to be a part of it, the altars are open.